Friends, I was uh, haunted by a little thought experiment this week as I was reflecting on Christ the King. And it was this, that if Christ, if Jesus had literally been in the room with me for everything I did over the course of the last seven days, would he know for certain that he was the Lord or the King over every aspect of my life? If he was literally in the room with me, and even to take it further, was in my thoughts over the last seven days we've been here together, would he know that he was the king of every aspect of my life? I've been kind of thinking about that image uh, from uh, something that was presented to me a, a few months ago, this image of Christ, and this is a Greek word, as pantokrator, is the Greek word for the Almighty One. It's the, it's the translation of the last word of our second reading today, Revelation 1.8, Christ as the Almighty. And it's a huge image of Christ. I think it's kind of a sister parallel image, I think, a little bit to our Christ the King in the Eastern tradition. Uh, and so it's a big image in the Orthodox churches as well as the Eastern Catholic churches. This image of Christ as the Pantoprator, the Almighty One. And uh, in early August, we had uh, our kind of CSA Newman Board planning weekend up. Uh, we usually do it off-site. And so this year, I took them up to kind of where I'm from, up in Marblehead. And if you've ever been to the lighthouse up there, there's a Byzantine Catholic church, St. Mary's, which is right next to the lighthouse. And I grew up a few houses down from that. My parents are still there. So we did the retreat there. And then we ended the retreat by going to this Saturday evening divine liturgy. Okay. Don't call it mass. They get really mad about that. It's the divine liturgy. So we attended, and afterward I had asked the priest if he could speak to the students about what they had experienced. It's very different. It's Catholic. You know, I had to convince them it fulfilled their Sunday obligation. They were like, that's too weird. That can't possibly fulfill our Sunday. Yes, it does. Um, but the priest said he would speak to them uh, about whatever questions they had and things like that. But one of the things that was pointed out was this huge image of Christ in at the top of the sanctuary. And he explained to them that that's the image of Christ as the Pantocrator, uh, the Almighty. And he said that while in this church, when they build it, they put it in the sanctuary, he said in most Orthodox and Byzantine Catholic churches, the image of Christ as Pantocrator is on the ceiling in the nave. Okay, the nave is, in a traditionally built church, is kind of the, the middle section where all the pews and the people sit. And so in most churches, he says, the image of Christ as the Pantocrator is right above the congregation, looking down on them. And he said the image is one of Jesus looking down on the people. And at first, I was kind of creeped out by this, I have to admit. I thought... Creepy. You know, like, do you, have you seen Meet the Parents, that movie? You know, it's like, uh, what's his name? Like, toward Ben Stiller, like, he's got the eyes, like, I'm watching you at all times, you know? But, but that's not how he described it. He said, God wants access to every nook and cranny of your life. He's looking down on you because he wants access into every corner of your life. Not because he's interested in some creepy way. He's interested precisely because he wants to infuse those nook, 
nooks and crannies with the grace and power of his spirit to be able to maximize the potential with which he created you. He wants to see every aspect of your life precisely in order to help you to grow. And so I've kind of been haunted by that image over the last couple um, weeks. In fact, I even proposed maybe we should put a big eyeball up, uh, up here looking down at us. But I thought, I didn't think Pam was going to go for that. Uh, right? But the idea of like Jesus being in the room with me, uh, and, and like, would I do this if Jesus were sitting next to me? Like, would, I, would I say this? Would I, would I do this? Like that image of Jesus as the Almighty One looking into every corner uh, of my life. And I was also thinking about it along the lines of uh, the first commandment, right? We heard that a few, about a month ago in the Gospel. You love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, your mind, and your strength. And so I was asking myself, is Jesus the Lord, is his reign, is his rule, the king of my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength? Is he the king of, is he the king of our hearts? Do we allow ourselves to be moved by God's presence in the natural world and in the presence of other people? Like, that's how I think about the heart. I, I gave a talk this week at the Theology on Tap at Patron Saints Brewery on the role of the emotions in the Christian life. Um, and one of the things I reflected on is, do we have a proper balance in our life between effectivity and affectivity? Right? Because I think we're struggling with that. We're all about effectivity, getting stuff done, being productive. But we don't let ourselves be moved. Right? That's affectivity. Affectivity is letting our emotions be, be uh, inspired and to be moved by things. And I don't feel like sometimes I even stop long enough that if God wanted me to be moved by something, that I would be moved by it. And so does Jesus reign as king of our hearts? Do we allow ourselves to be moved, moved by the beauty of his creation? Do we stop for a moment, right, and pause and rest in the beauty of what God's created do we, do we allow ourselves to be moved by the sufferings of others? I know for me, sometimes I'm just, I see other people and their needs as interruptions or distractions and what I need to get done. And so do I allow myself to stop and notice the afflictions of others and let myself be moved with, with sorrow and pity and, and the call to respond? Is he the king and lord of our hearts? Is he the king and lord of our souls? Do we prioritize a personal relationship with him. We make prayer a priority, right? If we broke down our day, is there any time built in for the cultivation of our soul, right, of our spiritual life, of cultivating the gifts of the Spirit, right? Is there any part of our life, right, that's set aside for letting Jesus rule over our spirit? Is he the Lord and King of our minds? At the last line of the gospel, anyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Is Jesus' voice the primary voice that's the default and the reverberating voice that's in our mind when we think about how to process things? Or do we let it be drowned out by the voices of others and everyone else? Do we ever think about our faith intellectually with our mind? Like, When's the last time we picked up a good theology or spirituality book and pondered it and wrestled with it? 
Like, do we do that? Do we cultivate the mind spiritually and theologically? Um, are we as intellectually curious about knowing about and knowing God as we are about knowing everything else? Right? I know my intellectual curiosity is very strange and odd, what I desire to know things about. And I, you know, I Google everything. And yet, so sometimes I feel like my intellectual curiosity for weird, stupid stuff uh, is more fervorous uh, than my desire to know about God and what he's revealed to us and like to know about him, spend time with him. So is Jesus the Lord of our minds? Is he the Lord of our strength? Do we rely too much on our own strength? Lean too much on our own understanding? Right? And not allow Jesus to transform our weaknesses into his power? We only focus on our strengths. Right? Paul has that great line, I boast in my weakness. Right? Because it's in my weakness that the power of Christ is made manifest, not in my strength. I know I can do things with my strengths. It's what can God do through me when I give him my vulnerabilities and my weaknesses where God truly shows and perfects his power. But do I give him my weakness and allow him to exert his strength? Do I try to cultivate the, the virtue of courage in the midst of my fears? Right? Fears are a normal part of life, but part of, of relying on God's strength is to try and conjure up and cultivate the virtue of courage so that we can confront our fears. Right? That we can confront a fear that we have said, you know what, I can do this. I can push through this. I can overcome this fear. I have this fear of the unknown. I have this fear of, of what's coming. I, I struggle with trusting. I can't be vulnerable before others. I want to control everything. Do I have the ability to make little strides in letting God be our strength in the future instead of our need to grasp on to control everything? So friends, is Jesus the King? Is he the Lord of our, our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our strength? One of the things I love about this image of Jesus as the Ponto Prator, and I invite you, maybe if you have time today, look up some of these images. They're all over Eastern art. Um, I think somebody last night, I think, thought I was just making up the word. It sounded really kind of smart, you know, this Greek word. Um, but to look up, and what's really interesting in all the images is Jesus is always depicted as, I'm going to describe him as mild yet stern, or gentle yet firm. He doesn't enjoy looking down into every corner of your life to find out what's wrong. It, it, I was kind of thinking of, like, parents don't love disciplining their children. Like, if any parent just got a huge smile on their face, was jumping for joy when they got to discipline their child, we'd think, okay, you need some real help. Okay? You only do this because you think that, that the, the cost right, is worth the benefit. Right? That, that, that the child needs this discipline for their long-term growth. No one, no one delights or relishes in that. No one delights and relishes as a parent in finding and checking up on what their kids are looking at online. And no one wants to do that. No one wants to find out where they're staying at night. Right? They only do these things because they want them to thrive. They want them to flourish and not to make mistakes that would, would hinder that. God doesn't as the, as the Ponto Proctor, he doesn't like looking down into every nook and cranny. He doesn't delight in that. He doesn't relish in that. He doesn't want to do it. That's why he's mild. 
he's gentle. He doesn't, he's not smiling as he does it, but at the same time, he is stern. He's firm. He knows that we need some, some corners and nooks and crannies need a lot of work. They need a serious surplus and abundance of God's grace to transform and to change. So he's not happy about looking down on it, on it but he does it precisely as a parent seeks to discipline a child. So friends, this Christ the King, I'm inviting us to reflect with this image of Christ that's very prominent, uh, not really in Western Catholicism, but in the Eastern churches, uh, this image of Jesus as the Ponto Prator, the Almighty One who wants access into your life precisely to infuse it with his power so that we can become the sons and daughters that he created. And so let's uh, let's play out maybe that hypothetical in our uh, week this week to think of Jesus in the room with us uh, as we go about the business of our ordinary lives. How might that change uh, how we do things? How might that change how we think uh, about our moral life? So let's seek to make Jesus uh, the king, the lord, the ruler of every corner of our life, the king of our hearts, the king of our souls, the king of our minds, and the king of our